So, hey, Gurmeet Mangat, welcome to the Globecast. Um, so interesting to hear about your career path and just want to kind of walk through it and, and learn from it. So uh, can you just kind of give me a little bit of a, um, a run up to, you know, how you've, you know, come to where you've come to at this point? Because I think yeah. it's interesting. No, definitely. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Peter. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so the career path is interesting. It's uh you know, you always start off as a kid dreaming about being something or turning into a particular person one day and, you know, nine or 10 times, it, it never happens the way that you really plan it to, right? Um, so it's, it's funny. I, had, I think I had an entrepreneurial drive right from the get-go. You know, age seven, I started selling clay out of my backyard. I dig down six feet, not six feet, one feet at least, and pick up some clay, wrap it in plastic and sell it for 15 cents to my friends down the street. Wow. <laughs> um, it was, uh, and then, you know, selling cards at, you know, seven years old, we had a lawn care business, me and my buddy up until we were 14, right? There were, there was always this kind of, I think, entrepreneurial drive in my career, but, you know, you go through high school, you go through post-secondary and like most of us, you get a stable job, you know, mom and dad says, get a career, you know, get, get stable. So I really kind of felt the entrepreneurial spirit for a short period of time and early on in my life. And then it kind of faded away. And, it, you know, I literally forgot about it for almost 20 years, it seemed like. Um, so I spent, you know, the first couple of years out of college trying to get my, <laughs> my foot in the door and, you know, get the right experience. You know, when you're applying for your first job, it's, you know, 10 years experience, five years experience. It's all these jobs that you want, you can't have until you do something. So I got a job with a small company in London, Ontario, um, very technical, just calibrating instruments. Like literally I was in sewers installing flow meters and sensors, measuring stuff, right? right. Did, that, did that for a couple of years. Um, flew to the Philippines for a couple of months. That was my first um, kind of international experience straight out of college. Spent a couple of years there. Then I left after a couple of years went to work for Pratt Whitney Canada, jet engine manufacturer. There I did a lot of the instrumentation, still staying on the very technical side of my training and, and, and what, I, what I did in school. Um, spent a lot of time at Eglin Air Force Base in Pensacola, Florida, doing some research and development testing on jet engines. Um, that's where I started kind of really learning the lean manufacturing mindset, the lean manufacturing tool. You know, they, they train a lot of their employees on this. So that was a, that was a cool experience. 2009 hit and we had a bit of a economic downturn. So, I mean, I was one of the younger individuals. They, they targeted a lot of the younger employees as, as, as that departure. I remember walking in that day and two days prior, the guys are like, you know, if you see black suits, when you come in, there's a chance that you may go home and never come back here again <laughs> that morning. And sure enough, there were black suits at, right in the lobby of this giant building of a thousand people, right? And I, I walked in, got a page from my supervisor. As soon as I got the page, I just started shaking everyone's hand on my way <laughs> to meet him in the conference room. Like I knew it was, what was happening. Um, so I took the 2009 as a, you know, layoff. You know, it was a piss off for a little bit, but then it was, that turned into an opportunity, right? You know, trying to make every obstacle into an opportunity. Um and what I did is I started a sprinkler business of all things. Mm. All through high school, I worked with my best friend and his dad and we put in lawn irrigation. So I was like, okay, I mean, I can go back in the field, try to find a job or I can try something new. So out of my condominium, 
I ran an irrigation business for about two and a half years. Um, and it was fun. I enjoyed it. I, again, I think I was kind of testing that entrepreneurial drive. Didn't know that I was going to commit to the entrepreneurial world, but it's just something in me just kept me going back to trying new things. So uh, a couple of years later, we decided to start a family. And of course, the income and stability and all the things that come around raising a family starts to change the way you see the things you do. So I went back into the, uh, the world of, of finding a career again or a job and got a job with a company called Curtis Wright uh, in Dell Technologies. They're a naval defense uh, manufacturer. So that was a pretty cool experience, pretty pivotal in the sense that it's what took me out of the frontline tech technical role and started to transition into more of that leadership, business management development, you know, let's, let's get really creative with our processes and, and grow a business. So, you know, one year as a field engineer, and then I started managing up to maybe 60 people, unionized, non-unionized, all different generations, different skill sets. So that really tested the ability to lead, right? I was not a leader before that, but um, leadership started playing a big role in what I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life around that time. Um, did that for about four or five years. You know, unfortunately, you sometimes hit a ceiling with certain organizations if the leadership's not in the right mindset of culture, of growth of their employees, et cetera. They're very old school, um, didn't really want to move forward and get very progressive on their process. So I uh, kind of took that as a sign or kind of an affirmation that, you know, I need to find something new again. So then I took off, um, moved about an hour north of the city and got lucky. There was a job about 30 minutes north of where I live. So zero traffic, just straight north country driving. And I got a job with uh, GE Renewables. So managing a whole bunch of their wind farms for Ontario. Very different career. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very different career. So a lot of different things, touched on a lot of different, walked in a lot of shoes from HR, health and safety, you know, finance, operations, um, you know, 2009, spent two years in GE and then, you know, that was it. I did a couple of years there, did some cool stuff um, with, with Smartsheet, which we both know very well. Yeah. And that's kind of, that was, that's how I exited. So that's, that's you, me in a nutshell. You were running wind farms for GE up, up in uh, north of Toronto or? Yeah, north of Toronto. So about an hour north of Toronto was where my one wind farm was. There's a, a couple more around me, and then about three hours west southwest, there were also a couple wind farms I helped manage. So I wasn't, I was on, I had my home site, but then I had satellite farms that um, had people on site or dispatch staff, whatever the case was. I also had to manage that, uh, which was you know, just not going from manufacturing to services, a little bit of a switch, and 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 how I managed and how I kind of, you know, looked at things. But overall, I mean, every experience led into another and they all kind of came together to bring me to where I am today, really. Yeah. So what, um, did, did you find that was a super different business, the whole wind farm? I just find that super intriguing that we even call them wind farms. It's just, was that yeah. different or was it just like another technical experience? Uh, you know what? It was very different. So I understood the turbines just from my previous training. Yeah. Like I understand the hardware and the operation, which was, it didn't really matter so much to me anymore. I became a PL leader at that point, yeah. but it definitely allowed me to have better conversations with the technicians, 
right? They, they believed in me as a different type of leader. Previous leaders that came into those roles and they had high turnover in the past few years before me, they were just business managers, right? right. So they knew how to manage assets. So for me, I understood the technicians, I think, really well. I was able to relate to them and I understood, understood the hardware. Um, it was the other side I had to get better at, servicing, like, you know, asset management, customer service, um, and that kind of stuff. So it was very different in the sense that, you know, I made multiple contracts. I'm expected to perform. Like I am now accountable to the production of, of these assets, right? And when something goes wrong, it's my job to respond to them. Whereas, you know, in manufacturing, when I had other people that were accountable to the customer, I didn't have to worry about that. <clears throat> so, you know, imagine you're literally in the middle of nowhere. You're the, you're the manager, the health and safety guy, your HR, your finance, your customer service, because there's nobody around you. Right. You're not, you're not working in a building of 500 people where you can just knock on someone's door. You're, you know, in the middle of nowhere and, you know, it gets to minus 30, minus 45. Jeez. I mean, you got piles of snow all around you. <laughs> you there were, there were the occasional time where we almost had to shut down operation, actually stay on site. We could not drive home at the end of the day. Right. Very close. So, I mean, environmentally it was challenging strictly and then you know the service side was a bit of a mind shift for me absolutely yeah. yeah and and so out of that came your your business your your kind of smart sheet oriented or real kind of process improvement oriented business is that what that would drove it that ex last experience or yeah you know it's I mean, you've worked for some large corporations too, right? You know how hectic it can get and they just expect results, right? Um, and GE is a very, very demanding organization. And I came from an organization that wasn't very demanding. So when I got the role, it was, okay, here's, you know, the site manager literally was there for a week and a half, gave me a USB stick and said, good luck, right? <laughs> so I never managed a profit and loss work center ever in my life prior to never managed nearly half a billion in assets, which is a huge portfolio to, to undertake multiple contracts. And that was, you know, the first three to six months was mind blowingly stressful, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I had a director that just expected, you know, we go on our financial calls. Why are your numbers off? You know, I don't even know what numbers we're looking at yet. <laughs> you know, I need, I need help. And then, so again, it was process, right? It all comes down to process, how the process works. And, the average model at the time was one manager per, per wind farm, right? I was one managing four. And I didn't know this when I got the job. I had no idea. I didn't do my homework. I just, you know, it's close to home. It's GE, <laughs> you know, there it's a good company to grow in if I want to grow in it. And so I went for it, figure it out after, right? Um, so it was, you know, it was, it was really demanding. And that's what I noticed was, was the amount of, you know, information management that was being handled by humans, right? It, it was the metrics we were expected, like the scorecards we'd report up, up to. And as I sit back and, and actually look at like, okay, just to get that one overtime metric, let me think about that. You know, it was like five reports, five people had to touch this report. You had to pull information out of three different systems, pull it together to finally figure out, you know, why you went wrong on your overtime or why you broke the metric, for example. So I learned at GE that, you know, we put information into the system first and then we pull it out to execute work, right? You understand this, right? Mm -hmm. we, we execute post, 
processing. And that's, that's almost the wrong way to do it, right? Because it always puts you in the backseat. So I remember this specifically. I had a conversation with the senior director of operations for North America. Um, this is when the GE stock was not doing so well. And they started hammering down on this. So they, he asked me, why did you, why were you high on overtime? You know, three, three, it was like three or two weeks ago. Right. So now we're justifying, mm-hmm. you know, something that happened a long time ago and you can't correct it. It's gone. It's done. The employees have been paid overtime was there. So it was that moment where I, I had thought to myself, okay, I got to get proactive on all these metrics so that I can manage from the bottom up. I can tell my director before you go into your meeting, I'm high on overtime and this is why. Mm-hmm. Or come Friday afternoon, if we meet or if we're at 10% overtime and a turbine falls on the weekend, you know, I looked at my metrics. We got enough power for the weekend. We've produced enough. We're beating all of our metrics. If a turbine falls, do not come in this weekend and I'll deal with the customer complaints. Right. It was getting that proactive look. So what we started doing was, was putting information in a smart sheet first. It became data in execute work. And then we fed the beast. Mm-hmm. Then we fed the ERP systems, right? Then we fed all the other systems because mm-hmm. it, there's nothing more frustrating than putting in data in ERP, pulling it out, putting it back in, right? We, we, we validated it in Smartsheet. We justified it in Smartsheet. We made all the corrections. So once it went into ERP, it was accurate. There was no need to touch it again, right? And, that, and that's the belief, but that's like my belief and what I try to preach and teach to people is that, Execute work first, satisfy the data requirements second, right? So that got the attention of a few business managers in GE. And then I was asked to go to San Francisco and then present what I had done to some of the other wind farms to share best practices. And then that really was what kind of got me thinking, you know, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, do I want to stick it out for the long run and just, do this for them is there going to be some sort of promotion avenue and then after the the presentation um smartsheet actually came up to the wind farm which was cool and shot a video so i had all these little kind of affirmations let's call them that were kind of like you know what you're on the right track to doing something different that's how i saw this and then finally i got on a call with bob carl ceo of north america and i'm talking to him showing him what we did um, with all the dashboards and, you know, all the real-time insights and, and how I knew how the wind farm was operating faster than just about anybody in North America. And then he kind of gives me this idea that, you know, there's about five people on my hand I can count that have done this and you're one of them. And as soon as that, as soon as he said that, I like went home that night, said to my wife, I'm leaving GE. And okay. she, she, she's <laughs> like, what? You can't really just leave your career. <laughs> I said, no, but listen, this is all the things that have happened over the past year or two years, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's getting that confirmation that you're doing something right. And finally, that light bulb kicked off. You know, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so interestingly, it was, it was the CEO of North America of GE who kind of gave you <laughs> a push out the door without realizing it. He's trying to probably promote Keep- you. You're like... Thanks. I'm out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, they um they went they changed their digital strategy based on what what uh, we did at this wind farm. Wow. Um, I got a little bit of recognition, and just before they put me into the um their leadership school, I got an email. Um, you've been invited to go to the GE School of Leadership in Crotonville, which is their 
one of the really good schools. And I resigned like the day later. <laughs> I called my director and had a meeting with him. I gave him like three or four months notice, but I said, listen, I'm, I'm out of here. And he, he couldn't believe it. <laughs> He's like, you're doing so well. I was like, I know, but that's all I needed was that if I can convince someone or an organization, if I can make this organizational shift, then I should be able to do this on my own. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. So April 19th, Two years ago, I was gone, and within a month, I was I had a booth at the Wind Energy Conference in Texas, right? Trying to sell Smartsheet. <laughs> yeah, interesting. And so, you started out um, with the wind farm and, and kind of the the renewables energy push with Smartsheet. That was the beginning of your your business, basically. Yeah, yeah. It was the it was the beginning of the business. That's what pushed me over the edge to like you got to do this for yourself full time and figure it out. Yeah. Right. And then as I exited, I kind of like had this, it's almost like on the drive home, I always flashes in the past, you know, mm -hmm. the clay, the cars, the lawn care business. Well, tell me about some of those flashes. I, I wanted that. This is the interesting stuff. Cool. Yeah. You know, you know, it's like and the drive home is always scenic, right? So it's, 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 you can just literally shut down and just kind of focus and think on, think about things. And then, you know, after that call, the adrenaline's, pumping and I'm driving home and it, it wasn't like I was thinking about the call. It's like all these reminders started showing up and all the things that I did that I went out and did on my own. And I kind of kept going back into the career. I went out on my own, went back into the career again. I kind of told myself, I was like, when is it going to be the last time that I go on my own and never go back into a career again? Um, I mean, it was, it was a, it was a shaky thought after going through those memories. Cause at this point I already had three kids. Right, my uh, three kids, house, mortgage, two cars, <laughs> like everything, right? Um, but it was, you know, it's eventually, it's like you know, when you go through twenty year years in your life, you eventually start these puzzles come together at some point. And it's different for everybody, right? You could start at fifty years old. Um, I was listening to Judge Judy the other day. She talked about this lady who was eighty something years old who started. Be, he was she became a professional painter at in her mid eighties. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's wild. So this is this was that time. I was thirty nine ish, I guess, around that time. I just drove home. I had those flashbacks, and it was just that that feeling overwhelms you, right? Like you have to do something, right? It, it's now or never. So you know, I made the decision. I those flashbacks, and to this day, they just keep coming back now. Like every week, I get these little. For some reason, I could just be taking a shower, going for a run. And an image of me repairing a VCR in college because I worked at Radio Shack. Oh yeah, <laughs> worked at Radio Shack during college, and and they would not repair electronics. So anytime someone brought in electronics, it's like I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like on the side, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I had uh, Alpha and Omega Solutions. That was actually the name of the business. Me and my roommate, and okay, we actually incorporated what one back then. <laughs> um, but you know, it was it was interesting. It was fun. I mean wasn't so ethical at the time you can't really bring make money off your job but i didn't know right i was young i yeah. was just the mindset was just to try new things for me you know without many without any barriers at, at that time now i've got barriers in place because i've learned a lot over the years but yeah. um but yeah no it's uh it, it was pivotal working for ge was very pivotal for me i would say yeah so interesting and so, you know, how's, how's the business going now? And uh, what can you tell me about the, the stuff that you're doing with it? It, it? Again, sounds extremely interesting to me. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's really, the business is going well. I mean, like any new entrepreneur, the first two years are a bit of a struggle. So I'm, I'm over that hurdle and trying to figure out what my purpose, cause or passion really is. Took me about two years. Mm-hmm. And when I was at the, I'll never forget, I was in Texas at the booth and the guy next to me says, so what do you do? And I froze. Mm. Right. I exited GE and within a month I was at a booth in Texas. Right. Mm. Right. (laughs) Um, So, you know, he asked me, what do you do? And I'm like, that's a great question. No one's ever asked me that. And here I am at a conference. I did not have an answer. So, you know, I threw myself in the fire, literally um, starting this business. But, you know, over the two years, I think it's really come together. The whole purpose of what we do now and, you know, business is doing well and what I'm trying to get people to kind of think about is is you know is time really the most you know valuable currency that we have that a lot of people don't value for example right um, a lot of people always make the mistake I'll do it another time but you know when you think about what's the odd of having a life one in 400 trillion mm-hmm. I think that's the number right now maybe one in 500 trillion now I don't know but I mean you're gonna get hit by a car win the lottery get struck by lightning all those things will happen to you first before you've actually got a chance to live. So I'm trying to really encourage people to look at time with a different perspective, a different mindset. So, you know, when you scale that, go from the high level and scale that down and think about all the, the non-value added work we do today with the availability of technology, it, it's astronomical. So, you know, 60 to 80% of your day is non-value added. Right. Okay. Remember that. And now remember you one in 400 trillion is the odds of having a life, mm-hmm. right? So now if you compound those metrics, those numbers together, you, by the time you, you're at the end of your time, how much value have you actually contributed to that one life that you had? Really? Right. Right? So, you know, we, we started building these couple of rules. The one big rule that I have is this three click philosophy, right? So anytime you do anything in your workplace, less than three clicks, you should get an answer. If you don't change has to happen. And the only reason why I say that is because that's how we work after five o'clock. I have this nine to five, five to nine mindset where five to nine, we're efficient. We are, you know, we're a pull system. We want information. We go get it when we want it. Anything we want on our phone is less than three clicks away. But, you know, when you go to work, it's almost like we just switch off. And we're like, okay, we'll leave, we'll leave this efficient lifestyle for just five to nine and nine to five, you know, all process. 800 Excel sheets. I'll click my mouse a million times to get an answer. I'll wait for six meetings to get an update on what happened a month ago. Right. <clears throat> so, okay. Okay. So, so you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think so. So in your, just to run it back by you, yeah. in your personal life, you kind of have this natural efficiency. At least you certainly do for sure. Yeah. And that's the, that's the five to nine, but the nine to five, you're not working smart and you don't think about it. You don't, yeah. Okay. You don't, right? It's such a, um, it's 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 all about you know that's how it's always been. This mm-hmm. is how we're going to keep doing it. You know, why don't we say that after five o'clock? Yeah. Why don't we have why don't we have rotary phones still? Because that's how it always been. That's how it always was. Yeah. Right. We seem to have this biased on our lives in two different ways: nine to five, five to nine. So <clears throat> I have this. When we talk about digital transformation now. And, and people are confused. Like C suites are like, we don't even know where to start. You know, simple. Ask your customers first. What are they complaining about? Lead time, quality. You know, you know, craftsmanship, longevity, whatever the case is. But then when you go backwards, and 
you, you work on these two rules and a three click rule is one that is, I think is a good one that people should consider always. Three you know, click rule. Yeah, three click philosophy. I have an infographic that I made, I'll send it over to you um, after this. Uh, so it's, it's the idea of click three times, get an answer, right? It's no different than how you work at home. It's the exact same. And if you think about it, if an organization provides that for you, when you get there at nine o'clock in the morning and from the time you go to bed at nine o'clock or 10 o'clock at night, your brain is like, it's working in a, in a very similar world all the time, mm-hmm. right? There's no disruption to your mental thought, to your thought process, because you're not thinking differently in two different times of the day. And then the other part was, this is more of a lean metric. Um, in any process, any position that you're working in, in less than 100 seconds, you have to understand what's going on around you, right? Literally less than 100 seconds. And this is the big dashboarding thing, which is a hot topic around the world in every SaaS platform right now, mm-hmm. right? Let's provide dashboard information. And the whole point of that is so you can understand the pulse, right? And then see what's going on. You know, you put your finger on your pulse on your hand now, it, it if it's high, it's low, and you know it well enough, you know that there's something going on. Though I had too much caffeine this morning or something, right? Or, you know, when you just wake up, you've got a low resting heart rate. You, you can tell. Um, same with the business. you got to go somewhere where you can find the pulse, right? So you know what's going on. And, and real time is the big thing, right? <laughs> right? Like we should be working in real time. So the business is, is moving well. Um, now that I've figured out why I'm in business, right? Right? It's starting to progress. So we're finally, you know, like, you know, I'm in a new office. I'm hiring some people in September, some co-op students to help out. But uh, yeah, and it's yeah. called um, DDB Consultants. So for our listeners, that's Dream Design Build Consultants. I love that. Yeah. How you, how did, I mean, how did you come to that? I mean, it makes so much sense, but. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's funny. Everything starts with a dream or a thought, right? Um, and then you design it and build it. But the purpose, the way I thought about my name is, is that the design and build, because I'm in automation, robotics, and, and that type of technology, the design and build is what's really being removed, not removed, it's almost being offloaded to machines and robots, right? We've got so many different applications, um, you know, additive printing, 3D printing, there's so many different tools, AI that are out there now to do the design and build for us. But the only left of the human is the dream. So that's why the dream is in there. Mm. So the dream is the human element. The design build build is the kind of robotic uh, autonomous AI element um, part of the business, right? We, we want to give you true touchless automated workflows. Essentially we want you to dream about what you want your business to run like, right? And then we're going to give you real time access to your business. You know, the key there is real time. So that's the dream design build. The dream is the only thing left with the human, at least for now, I mean, one day I'm sure robots will be having subconscious minds and, 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 and dreaming. It'll be scary, but we're not too far away from that. <laughs> cool. So what's next uh, for, for your business and really for your life, do you think? Um, that's a great question. You know what? I just, uh, because now I'm scaling up, right? I'm, I'm thinking about hiring people. I'm thinking about the next five years. So, so personally, what I've committed to for the past probably 30 days and I'll do it for the next um, 11 months is a, I'm going to prepare for my first Ironman, my half, half Ironman, right? So 70.3 in, and it's really, I'm doing it as a test because if I can get past that in the next year, 
then managing the next level of business will become very easy for me. Mm. Right. Cause you know, managing a business is a very mentally draining, you know, you're now responsible for feeding other people, right? <laughs> you got to make the right decisions. You got to hire the right people. You want to retain the right, right team. You want to create a you know, positive enabling culture. Um, so my whole thing with me is, is every time the business levels up, I have to level up myself somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. And it wasn't only yeah. until the, yeah, only about 30 days ago, I said, you know what, I got to do something different to try and like break my mental capacity to this new, new level. So I love fitness. I'm all about health and getting out there being active. So I go to my wife, I was like, I'm going to try this Ironman thing. I'm a horrible swimmer. I mean, I, I know how to swim, but it, it, it's a, it's a year long process. And if you can commit focus and discipline yourself in anything like that, then the next stage of the business should benefit from something like that, you know, you know got what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, personally that professionally, the business is going to keep growing. I think we have a long range goal five years from now, maybe or even shorter three to five is to really, really big, bring AI down to the small to medium business market, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very enterprise tool right now. Um, a lot of corporations, large entities are using it, uh, but the better AI gets, the less data you need for AI to work and the smaller data sets that you can apply to AI. So, it, you know, within three to five years, I think a good, an AI platform for small to medium-sized businesses would be a long-range goal for me mm-hmm. to build something out like that. Um, but really, I just want to give time back to people. Like, again, going back to, like, the why. Yeah. For anyone that's a Simon Sinek fan out there, yeah, uh, it, it's all about the why. And then at the end of the day, like, if I can wake up tomorrow morning knowing I've saved someone 20 hours a week so they can go do something that actually has value and, and it makes them happy when they wake up the next day and they're not dreading going to that job, then that's a success, right? You know, it, it's, it's never, it never has been about the money for me. Money is always like a, a byproduct of a good business, mm-hmm. but it's, it's the, it's, it's the, it's the success, success we see in others. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so that's your sort of a, the Japanese word I think is a key guy, right? Or a key yeah. Guy. Yeah. Is that you are bringing value you're, you're giving people time back, right? You talked about how time is so important. So yeah. business is giving people time back. That's what drives you. Is that right? Or? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's, you know, up at quarter to five in the morning on most days, I'm done my routine by about 6.30. I make sure I have time for my kids and, and have breakfast with them. And you know, when I'm at lunchtime, they can come and see me like, when I was working my ass off when I found my first son, I never saw him, mm. right? I was gone before he would wake up and sometimes home after he was gone to bed, right? And I just started like reflecting on that, you know? So how many people in this world have to go through that, right? Mm. Because their jobs are just so demanding when likely 60% of it can be eliminated, right? right? So that they can have breakfast with their kids so they can go home and see their daughter's dance recital after work, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it's... And it's all possible. I mean, you see it in the work that you do, right? Shifting nine to five, as you mentioned, I love that model. That shifting yeah. from nine to five to more of a five to nine mindset. Is that yeah. it? Okay. That's it. That's it, right? Giving people that, you know, that accessibility to information so they can effortlessly make a decision, take an action, just like you can at home. Right. You literally, right? You know, oh, oh crap, my son's birthday's in a week or it's in three days and I forgot to get a present. Okay, go to Amazon. Everyone wants the Amazon experience because they like it. It makes their lives easier, right? 
So, you know, how do you create that on-demand real-time experience at work so that, again, their jobs can feel easier? I mean, once you, it comes down to feelings, right? If you feel like your job is stressful and hard, you carry that energy with you home, right? Mm-hmm. That we can't switch off. You know, that's the stuff that you can't switch off. You know, right. You're stressed out that it comes home with you. Um, but, you know, as long as you can create that, that nine to nine, you know, you get up, you go there, you go home, and it's just the same type of thought process the entire day. I don't know. I just see that as being a very different world. Very, very cool. Very, very yeah. cool. Yeah. So anything else you would kind of offer for folks like yourself who grew up, you know, starting out with the clay? Yeah. <laughs> for those entrepreneurs that are coming after you, any advice you would give? Yeah, definitely. You know what? I went through this. Um, you know, the impact we've had on some of our clients are pretty interesting. And the, and the confirmation is, is when they ask if they can work for you. We've had a few people mm. like, I, I want to leave. Can I work for you? And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes that can't happen. But um, I had this conversation with a lady the other day who wants to leave. She's like, I drank the Kool-Aid, the smart cheap Kool-Aid. I want out. I was like, okay, <laughs> that's I'm, I'm glad you're motivated. But, you know, take a step back because, you know, the entrepreneurial life is not for everybody. Right. It doesn't mean that you're not an entrepreneur. Maybe you're, you know, there's someone else that will do really good at running another business. Right. You, you can be a lifetime business owner, for example, which is still a great thing. There's a lot of people out there that make millions off of just a lifetime business. Um, but entrepreneurship, you know, leaving your career. I think the biggest thing for me is to look for those little affirmations, whether it was something you did to you when you were seven that indicated you wanted to be an entrepreneur and then look for the, Look at the feedback you're getting in the organizations and the people you work with today, right? You know, I didn't, I, I got some good feedback, but I never really listened. Like I didn't consider it as good feedback. I just was like, you know, okay, thank you. You know, I'm just doing my job, right? And then, but pay attention to those. You know, I didn't take them as those affirmations, but I'm sure if I listened carefully in naval defense and aerospace at what some of the leaders were telling me, maybe I would have exited sooner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, look for those affirmations. Um, be prepared to be very disrupted mentally. Mm. That's a big deal, right? You know, mental health is a major discussion globally right now. It wasn't so much, you know, 20 years ago for us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're in a routine, you're going to a job, you're accountable to someone, the, the mind actually likes that. It likes the routine. It likes that it does the same thing over and over again. And then when you leave, a routine and now you're accountable to no one, you know, that's when you start to test who you are and what your mental capacity is. Right. I never knew what anxiety was until about six months after I left GE. I had no clue. Heard people talk about it. I mean, everyone complains and I'm like, Oh, what's the big deal? It's just anxiety. Right. Not until you get it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then you're, then you're, you know, I was grounded for almost a month. I couldn't walk, couldn't focus on nothing because my mind literally was just, you know, it's the chemical release that tells you, you are in an uncomfortable situation. We want you to go back. Like the brain saying, I want you to go back to the routine. Mm-hmm. So for anyone leaving a career, if you've done 15, 20 years under the accountability reporting of someone else, be prepared for that loss of accountability. Um, and, and be prepared to just look at yourself in the mirror every day because you're now accountable to, to yourself, right. right? And that takes time. You know, I'm two years in now. I'm, I'm comfortable now. I know what triggers things and what doesn't. So it's a, it, it's a real game changer. So, you know, before you depart, do some heavy soul searching, make sure it's, it's something that you want to embark on. 
and at least commit to doing it for two years, right? I don't like people saying leave, they try for six months and give up. The first two years are going to be painful no matter what, right? So expect it, right? Set expectations for the worst possible scenario. And then when you get to it, you're not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you again for coming on the Globecast and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate it. Hope this was helpful. I look forward to doing some more of these in the future.